Hey, what's up? Hello, how are you? Girl, bonjour. I am so good. Bonjourno. Yep. Just sitting here Usually waiting say, for it to like, get cold. Oh. <laughs> I'll be yeah. waiting till I'm dead, but Yeah, right. They said they've been saying it's gonna rain here and I'm like, wow, yeah, that'll happen on a cold day in hell. <laughs> we have been getting some amazing responses to our past podcasts and we just have to say we are so excited about it we've got a bunch of new followers on instagram which is super exciting oh my god so exciting we've been doing lots of things like polls and questions about what you want to hear on the podcast and you guys have been answering us like crazy and we're so excited to bring you what you want to hear so check us out on instagram at gals and gore we are always putting out stories, asking you guys questions, and we love it when you respond. We love yes. to hear from you. Oh, my God. It makes things so less dull. It's so it's so not fun when you put something out there and nobody answers, you know? Right. It feels like we're not just screaming into the darkness of the internet. <laughs> Hello. It's so Hello. nice to have you guys there. Hello. Has <laughs> anyone there? <laughs> exactly. Also, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate it. Don't worry. So never fear. Bring us all your opinions, please. Rate, review, and subscribe, just like Alyssa said. Oh, also, you guys remember whenever Alyssa told me that she hated me last week because (laughs) I did not ask our friends about what a garden was? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember. (laughs) (laughs) I know you do. So (laughs) we have this awesome friend who's in the UK. She lives in a town called Worcester, Worcestershire. 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 Love her voice. Oh, my God. So her name is Jody, and she has the most incredible voice, and it's so appropriate because her podcast is actually called The Mental Health Podcast, yes. and you can find her on Spotify if you search The Mental Health Podcast, Jody, and that's J-O-D-I-E. And um, I just have to say, listening to her voice helps my mental health. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she does sound so, like, soothing and calming and nice. And, like, honestly, don't know her, but I want to just give her a big old hug. She makes our voices sound like nails on a chalkboard. She does. Yeah. And she said she likes our voices, but oh, I was God. like, wow. What a saint. Yeah, so I want to tell you, Alyssa, that I asked Jody what a garden was yeah. in the UK. Okay. And this was her response. I'm going to play it for you because I felt bad that you were like, oh, you asked our friends. And then I definitely had not. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is actually amazing. So I live in Worcester and the county is like Worcestershire. So it's like Worcestershire. I can't even say it. Worcestershire sauce. Um, And garden is like the backyard. Yeah, it's like the grass and whatever outside your house this is going to be so handy to have like an american that i can ask questions to and then you can ask me anything <laughs> how handy yeah so that was oh, jody guys and her voice me too and again the podcast is the mental health podcast with jody j-o-d-i-e on spotify give it a check out yeah um she is she just kind of helps destigmatize mental health and she talks about 
issues that she's been going through and it just kind of feels like you're listening to a friend with a really great voice talk to you <laughs> while you're like cleaning your house or folding clothes or anything like that so definitely recommend thanks for telling us Jody. so there you have it Alyssa. Well, no thanks to you but <laughs> I my friend Kirsty shout out <gasps> to Kirsty, my good friend um, she her. actually emailed us and said that a garden <gasps> in England is a yard. Back garden or front garden, most will have a lawn and flower beds, always a fence, hedge, or wall to separate from the neighbors. Loving the podcast, Kirsty. And she oh is gosh. a fucking angel sent from heaven. I told you, like, <laughs> I am, you know, I am like one of those crass, rude people, and she, like, she likes me as a friend, so that is like... That is really fun, and she invited me to see the color purple uh, earlier in the year, and so for she will forever have my heart. So thank you, Kirsty, so much for being a doll. Well, she sounds awesome. She I is. wish she was my friend, too. She's mine. You can't have her, so. <laughs> oh, great. After all this garden talk, it's made me really hungry. For murder. Hungry for murder. <laughs> for murder. <laughs> <laughs> murder okay you know? well hopefully i can satisfy this craving because i have a wild fucking ride for you <gasps> let me just strap in get my helmet I'm ready to go okay because i feel like i'm gonna fall off this <laughs> crazy train probably i know i did a few times all right, so I hope you're ready because today I'm going to tell you about the Oklahoma Girl Scout murders. Girl Scout? Yes. Girl. What? This case is fucked up. It already sounds really bad. Any, like, Girl Scouts are so innocent and sweet with their cookies. Oh, just wait. All right, so during the summer of 1977 at Camp Scott in Oklahoma, Three Girl Scouts were brutally murdered on their first night at camp, and to this day, nobody actually knows who did it. Oh, no. 1977 was the year my parents graduated from high school. Oh, fuck. I know. I don't know why I know that, but that's just like a date that's always something that I think about, so that is really like putting it into time and space for me. So, 1977, three Girl Scouts were murdered? Oh, my God. Yes, girl. So, I'm going to tell you a little bit about before to set the stage, okay? Okay. All right. Yes, tell so, me. So, as I said, during the summer of 1977, Camp Scott, which was like a Girl mm-hmm. Scout camp overnight, um, located in like northeastern Oklahoma, opened its gates for two whole weeks to like excited girls mm-hmm. everywhere, ranging yeah. from ages 8 to 18. Summer camp is fun. I've never been. I've always been so scared. Well, I was a the weirdo only time even when I was young <laughs> that I went to <laughs> the only time that I went to summer camp was like Christian summer camp. So oh, that sounds fun. There was a lot of praying and Bible reading, mm. but it was there was also a lot of really fun woods stuff like too. Arts and so crafts. yeah, there were lots of arts and crafts Popsicle and sticks, popsicles, and we got to swim and canoe. It was fun. Girl Scout camp sounds a lot less um, guilt-inducing. Yes, indeed, girl. Indeed. Well... That sounds like somebody was guilty of something. Hmm. Well, just to give you an idea of, like, how large the campsite was and how remote it was, 
the campsite in total covered 410 acres. Golly, that's big. Yeah, it's fucking huge. And each of the sites were given, like, Native American tribe names um, and consisted of, like, these huge canvas tents, which I'll put pictures on our website. And um, Mm -hmm. the tents were actually on top of, like, these big wooden platforms. Okay. Um, So kind of like teepees or more like tents? Kind of like teepees, but, like, uh, more, I don't know. It's a it's a tepent, if you will. <laughs> a tepent, if you will. Okay, I see it. I see the teepees. I mean, not the teepees. I see the tents. All right, I got you. Yeah, and so the entire camp was split into about eight tents for the campers and then a counselor's tent. Um, and okay. the girls were all assigned to certain tents depending on their age. Okay, that makes sense because you don't want like you know right you older don't want, girls yeah you really don't want like sixteen year olds uh, in the tent with like ten year olds you know they've got Teaching like them the ways of the world yeah. yeah I mean you know there were normally like four girls per tent but mm-hmm. tent eight was short one girl but um, the girls that did stay in tent eight were Lori Lee Farmer Michelle Heather Goose and Doris Denise Milner also known as okay. Denise she didn't go by Doris. So, Lori was eight, Michelle was nine, and Denise was ten. Oh, my gosh. They're so young. I know. They're just babies. Like, first time at camp, you know, like, just so ready to, like, have such a good time. (gasps) S'mores. Yeah. And out of all of the tents, tent eight, the one where Lori, Michelle, and Denise stayed in, um, theirs was the most remote and not visible um, to the counselor's tent due to, like, the showers blocking the view. Oh, God. This already sounds like a bad idea. Who? Why would you – okay, if you're running a summer camp, let's just make this PSA right now. Make sure that all of the encampment is visible to the counselors because this just sounds like a – like a horror movie or a thriller book, like just waiting to be written. Well, actually, um, part of Friday the Thirteenth is based off of this, like the area. <gasps> no way. Yeah, the area. Um, he actually. What was the? It's like so. It's like in the Ozarks, and like he actually, um, yeah. did the movie before he knew about the murders. But it's oh, okay. is that creep creepy? That it was like set in the same place. Yeah, yes, that's exactly what murders. I'm thinking. Is yeah. like Friday the Thirteenth vibes. Oh my god. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I'm there. I'm there. Okay. All right. So speaking of counselors, we have three counselors that were assigned to the 27 girls in the camp. All right. Okay. So we have 18-year-old Carla Wilhite, 18-year-old Susan Ewing, and 20-year-old mm-hmm. D. Elder. Hold on. Wait. So those camp counselors are 18 and 20? Yes. And they're watching over girls that are from 8 to 18. Mm-hmm. So, and so what, where are the adults? They well, they have the camp directors. Uh, okay, okay. Wife, I was about to say, are the they only also have the nurse? <laughs> okay, yeah. So I mean, they're okay. not. I was about to it's say, it's not just them. They don't own the camp, you know. But they are the okay. counselors. And from my understanding, what I was reading was like, you got to be a counselor after going to camp year after year. Right. So you were like really seasoned and you knew the ropes and like, right. so now you get to show all the other girls. Got it. Right. Like me and you couldn't be like, hey, we want to be counselors. They'd be like, fuck off. You know, like. Yeah. You don't know us. Yeah, exactly. So. We're not even Girl Scouts, so. Yeah, exactly. 
Am I not? <laughs> I was a Girl Scout, actually. Um, you were? I was. and I was. A, oh, my God. I was a really bad one, though. I never sold any cookies. Um, <laughs> How? Girl, those cookies sell themselves. Come on. I mean, I didn't say we didn't buy the cookies. I just said I never walked around <laughs> and sold them. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't eat them all myself. I'm just saying. <laughs> Precisely. Um, so now you kind of have an idea of like how many girls were at the camp, the counselors, and like the setup, right? So it's like this huge yeah. span of land, dense woods all around. And then, you know, we mm-hmm. have the, the campsites that are all set up with the counselors' camps too. Yeah. We're ready to make s'mores yeah. and memories. Exactly. Okay. So the um the first night at camp, there's like a huge thunderstorm. Ooh, sounds simultaneously very calming and also scary. Right, considering the circumstances. Um yes. so around like six PM the girls ate dinner and then they had to make their way back to the tents because of the thunderstorm. So like they couldn't do any like fun activities, they couldn't wear s'mores, they couldn't play like games or sing songs, you know. So like they had to go back to their tents and yeah. write letters to their families. Oh. Right. In like oh, true wow, summer specific. camp fashion, right? <laughs> go write a letter yeah. home. Um yeah. And so, like, Lori and Michelle were, like, typical, like, cutesy little girls. They wrote, like, super cheerful notes about friends that they had made, who were their roommates, and, like, what they did that day. But Denise was, like, the complete opposite of her tent mates. She was Mm -hmm. experiencing some, like, extreme homesickness. And her mom even came out after the murders to say that Denise had told her several times she did not want to go to camp. But her mom saying that she was like a really shy girl, she wanted her to go and get that experience of making friends and, you know, doing things without her family because she was a very family oriented kid. Right. Um, so her mom was like being really well-meaning and just trying to get yes. her out of her comfort zone. Oh, God. And she meant so well. She just wanted her daughter to yeah. like go out and make friends. And like, she was like, go be with kids your own age and have fun, you know? And I mean, I could see that. I don't have any kids, but like, I could totally be like, oh, you for, think you won't yeah. like this, but you will, you know? Right. Poor you want thing. your kids to have like good experiences, you know? And like summer camp is supposed to be a fun thing. Yeah, right. Exactly. And like, it's so sad, but like, in her little letter, she part of it says, like, you know, mom, I don't want to stay at camp for two weeks. I want to come home. You know, and so. Baby girl. I know. So she's got two little tent mates who are like, girl, oh my God, best time ever. You know? I just made a friendship bracelet and I'm having so much fun. And Denise is like, oh, this is fucking horrible. Yeah, Denise is like, get me out of (laughs) here. ASAP I was Denise I was literally like oh my god can I please just go home like oh no I would have been the other girls I'd have been like oh my god (laughs) so much fun I know great I I know you would have and when I read that they wrote those kind of letters I was like Scotty all the (laughs) way I was like, this is definitely her. I would have either been doing that or I would have had my headphones in, like, listening to Simple Plan, being like, oh, me good. <laughs> I exactly. hate nature. Exactly. That was probably more like 13, 14, though, not 8 or 9. 8 or 9, I'd have been like, wow, it's the best. Oh, my gosh. So they wrote their little letters <laughs> and, you know, they did what they were supposed to do. And, you know, now they just have a little bit of time to, like, hang out before lights out, right? Yeah, right. And so I found a little timeline of the night of June 12th 
um, into June the 13th, um, the next morning. And I think that you'll see that this night was not only filled with, like, horrific crimes, but, like, some Uh really fucking scary and weird shit. (gasps) Ooh, it sounds like not an ideal camp experience. No, like, I... I'll be honest, if I didn't know that these murders happened first, I would have thought that maybe it was a story written about a movie. Really? Because it's scary. This is why yeah. I was having nightmares. I'll, I'll, you'll see. All right. Oh, I'm so excited because this is like summertime fun. This is like fitting the total, um, as Kim Kardashian would say, aesthetic of summer right now so i'm into this okay i'm ready i am sitting back and i am ready oh my god people are dying on the night of june 12th at some point before like 10 p.m one of the counselors reported seeing a strange light in the forest okay uh okay like moving up and down kind of bobbing (gasps) around yes see it's an alien it's definitely mm -mm. It's a UFO. Okay. All right. So then at around 10 p.m., probably a little bit after seeing the light, Dee Elder, another one of the counselors, she made a tent check. Um, and she was pretty satisfied that, like, everything was okay. You know, like, there were some giggly girls. There were some girls who, you know, like, it's their first night at camp. So, like, they're a little rambunctious. They're excited. Right. New friends, you know. You yes. know, it's Totally it's normal fun. to be giggly. Yeah. And... So she said, you know, like, totally fine. Everything's okay. You know, she told them, lights out. It's time to chill. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Calm down. Yeah, exactly. Calm your asses (laughs) down. Lay down. Shut your mouth. Go go to bed. bed. That's what I tell my kids. Anyways. So sometime later that night, around midnight, the third counselor, Carla, had to head over to the bathrooms to escort some noisy girls back to their tent. So that's what I mean by, like, these girls were like, oh, it's time to party. To we're party. At the summer uh-huh. camp. I mean, like, honestly, yeah. this is 1977, so these girls probably had, like, 7 p.m. bedtime at home, and then they get to camp, and they're like, I mean, and I know you say you've not, like you've never been to camp before, but like when you get there, you're there with all these girls that are your age and like your parents aren't around and like it's just so giggly and so much fun and you feel really independent. So Girl, it sounds like college. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Summer camp is basically college without the alcohol. Depending on which summer camp. All the stress. Without all the alcohol and stress. (laughs) Stress. Did we just say the same thing? So basically, yes. it's like Summer a camp kid yeah. college. Fun. Kid college, no classes, no Adderall, no alcohol. Yeah. That sounds like nothing I'd ever want to do, but I can imagine that why young kids would want to. It's fun. Anyway. Moving on. So, like, okay, let's fast forward a little bit. 1.30 a.m., these crazy, silly little girls in Tent 6 are still making noise. And Carla, being, like, the responsible counselor that she is, you know, like, she's like, mm, puts yeah. her flashlight on, you girls better go to bed. She, like, yells yeah. at them to stop. She sounds like my mom. I like her. Okay. <laughs> you know, well, but. Start calling her Pamela. Okay. Yeah. Pam. Uh, anywho, it's about this time, though, that she actually starts hearing, like, some extremely strange sounds coming from behind the tents. Oh. Indeed. Um, so All the tents? 
So in the documentary, Someone Cry for the Children, which I'll link on our website, Carla describes the noise as like a low guttural sound, somewhat like someone moaning like in pain or like a frog in a bullhorn. Uh, Oh, Mm, that's that gives me uh, the the free songs. But uh, I just think about like so my mom has these huge bullfrogs that live out by her house Mm. and they're like, yeah so i'm like could it have been that or was it like actually someone just out there being really creepy and weird well i think she did believe that it was just animals or just frogs because she said that whenever she's shown her light in the direction of the noise it stopped and so like after the noise is stopped she heads back to her tent and she goes to sleep but the noise continues throughout the night oh and she can like hear it from her tent that is so scary Yes, and it gets even weirder. Okay, so at around 3 a.m. the next morning, there are two reports of girls in other tents being woken up by noises. Um, One report is of a girl screaming. It may have been earlier, like around 1 a.m., and the other is a girl crying out for her mother, which some people believe to be Denise. But I could not find out who reported it, whether it was like... um, counselors or um like the girls attending the camp and i also could not find out why they never went to get an adult to check it out oh gosh a girl crying for her mother that sounds so just heartbreaking and disheartening i know and strangely enough like around the same time that these screams are being heard someone is moving through the camp reaching into tents and stealing items like purses (laughs) Pairs of prescription glasses. Oh. Right. And then the last event that we have reported from um, that night early morning is from a witness, um, one of the girls in Tent 7, who say that their tent flap was pulled back and a man Uh shone a light into the (gasps) tent and then left shortly after. A man? A man. In the Girl Scout camp. Okay. Uh. So you said something about the directors earlier. There's a mm-hmm. like a woman and her husband. Her, like a, her husband. Mm-hmm. Could it have been him? He was really creepy and he was like mm-hmm. creeping into these tents and being a total klepto, stealing stuff. Um, I mean, like we, yeah, let's keep it on the table. Why not? But okay. I think that you'll, I think that you'll kind of um, maybe push away from this point later on um, when you hear what I have to say. Okay, so we'll see. Okay. All right. Ooh, men at small girl camps are never a good sign. Yeah, I mean, I know. The whole, it's just weird, you know? Um, Yeah. So, on the morning of June 13th at around 6 a.m., camp counselor Carla Wilhite was making her way to the showers when she spotted something that looked to be like some discarded luggage. She thought maybe over the course of the night, someone's parents had to come back and drop off some luggage because like, you know, their kid forgot it. And she thought also there was like an old sleeping bag near the edge of the trees. So, Mm -hmm. you know, she's young and she is not really thinking we're in danger or anything like that. So she, she goes to like, check it out. You know, she's like, hmm, let me go get this girl's luggage. Like, she's probably, you know, going to need a change of clothes or, like, maybe she needs some shoes or whatever. Like, that's what she said. Yeah, it shouldn't be out there. It's definitely weird. She needs to investigate it. Right. But she legit, like, didn't think about, like, let me investigate it. She more thought, like, let me go get this girl's luggage so she can have it. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. But what she discovered was not luggage, and it was absolutely fucking horrifying. It was the body of Denise Milner, partly oh, nude, no. so badly beaten that she was nearly unrecognizable and oh. clearly deceased, lying on top of her sleeping bag. Oh my god. And Poor um, Denise. This was the next morning? This was the next morning. And while Carla sees her, she just immediately goes to get the camp nurse. Okay, so you know how earlier you said that it could have been the director's husband who was going in the tents and taking things? Yeah. So, actually, whenever the nurse came down, she was accompanied by the director's husband. And, you know, I had told you Denise was partly nude, and that was from the bottom down. And he actually placed a sleeping bag over her to protect her modesty. Aww. So he sounds like a good guy. Yeah, he did not want anyone to see her that way. Um, And, you know, like, I did think that, yeah, maybe he could be involved, you know, but to me, like, that, what he did was... It seems like a humane gesture. Yeah, extremely. And, like, you know, I mean, I, you don't know many, like, psychopaths going around, you know, doing that unless they really know the victims. They normally cover their faces, but... He covered the bottom half of her, you know, so she could still preserve that innocence. Unless he's just pretending to be a good guy. Which is possible. For everybody to see. It's very possible. But, I don't know. You know I don't trust men, so I'm just like, "Mm, looking at all avenues here. I know. I know. But what she doesn't know is that Denise actually wasn't just lying on sleeping bags. She was actually placed on top of her two tentmates' bodies. (gasps) All three of them were piled up out there? Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Right. I mean, like, it is just, it's horrifying. You know, That like, just turned my stomach. Can you imagine, like, being an 18 or 20-year-old at this camp with all these little girls and walking up and just seeing their bodies piled in a heap? Like, no, I can't, you fucking sick fuck. What the <laughs> hell? No, I cannot. Because You're the like, one telling me this story. That's what I'm saying. This is insane. It is really insane. And, you know, like, for all of our listeners, like, I know we joke a lot, you know, but we do not think that murder in any way, shape, or form is funny, you know. Um, and this here is just a disgusting display of, like, how people are just really monsters. Yeah. No, I mean, usually we do joke a lot, but it's usually we're joking about circumstances that are surrounding things right. like mistakes that criminals make or, or the police make or the police or justice reform. And, and we like to tell these stories because we like to bring awareness about, you know, these victims and things that happen to them. Um, and unfortunately, you know, when you do hear these types of stories, it is just so scary and disheartening. And I mean, really, it's like a horror movie. Right, and whenever you know, I was no other researching way to this case, I immediately knew that this was not going to be a fun episode for us. No, that like, sounds uh-uh. like my heart just dropped whenever, I mean, three little girls under ten. Right, and this story needs Ugh. to be told, because yeah. I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, for sure. So, I'll move on. So, all three girls were actually sexually assaulted, and Denise was Ugh. reportedly sodomized. Oh, no. My God. Um, Michelle and Denise also had their wrists bound behind their backs, and they had been gagged, but Lori was not bound or gagged. Okay. Um, it's strange, though. Denise's cause of death was strangulation, while Lori and Michelle had been killed by blunt force trauma to the head. Hmm. Um, 
When the girls were discovered, the investigators determined that Lori had likely been killed first, then Michelle, and then Denise last. Um, the killer, oh. or killers, and please keep this in mind, also right. had to move the three bodies some distance to where they were found. Okay. So, get ready, because what I'm about to tell you is not only going to horrify you, but it is going to piss you the fuck off. Oh, God. All right. So, okay. camp directors, counselors, and mm-hmm. um, the nurse, you know, they know what's going on, but the rest of the Girl Scouts were not told what was going on. They were not told that three of the campmates were dead. They were taken away to participate what? in activities away from the what? campsite until the buses arrived to take them back to Magic Empire Council in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is like one of 331 Girl Scout associations in like the entire United States. Okay, so like this is the one in Tulsa. Yeah, but I mean, I like I can understand that, like not wanting to scar those other girls or like freak them out. Like, let's just keep acting like nothing happened. You know, we don't want to scar them for life or scare them from, like, ever leaving home again. So let's just kind of, like, pretend like everything's okay. We'll send them somewhere else and then we'll take care of this. Right. Sure. I get that part. Okay. But this part. Parents were informed that something had gone wrong and that they would have to pick their children up at the council building. But the most horrifying aspect of all of this is that the parents of Lori, Michelle, and Denise were only informed that there had been an accident at camp. What? A meeting took place in which they told they were told that their children had died at camp, but it wasn't until media reports came out that they found out that they had been <gasps> murdered. What? They found out that their kids were murdered through the media? Yeah. The camp just or they found out there their was kids an were accident. Dead. <gasps> they said there was an accident oh, no. and they died and oh, then later God. on they find out no they were murdered that was not an accident oh my god i cannot imagine right the kid thing i can look past telling these young yeah, girls yeah, yeah. you know hey you have to go home something happened you know but like we're gonna take you to these activities you know and especially like kids have a hard time processing things you know like that's for their parents to tell them you know right but these parents deserve to know the truth right away. Yes, they These deserve were obviously to know all not accidents. Truth. Sexually assaulted, sodomized, bound and gagged, bludgeoned to death and strangled. Yeah, first of all, a sexual assault is never an accident. Right. And especially, oh my God, if anybody deserves to know what happened to their children, it's the parents, obviously. Exactly. 100%. Why were they trying, why, why, what is the motive to keep that covered up? Why would they not tell their parents? Because they wanted to get in touch with their insurance and make sure that they would not be liable. Oh, my sweet goodness. Are you kidding me? Nope. They did not want a lawsuit. That is some bullshit. Yep. Isn't it now? Oh. Forget about a lawsuit. There are dead children involved. Children are dead. Right. And that's what really really is fucked up. Maybe you should be sued. Right, so I guess what I said about the camp director's husband earlier, this is kind of just takes takes it all back. <laughs> Cause right, takes it to a new level that he's that worried about, oh, well, you know, obviously we don't want to get sued because we want to be able to keep running our camp. Maybe he wants to have, you know, keep it, being able to have girls come so that he can do this again. Who knows? Yeah, they did not. They actually did not want to close, um, but they were told by the police that they had to, which, uh, I, you know, understandably, yeah. um, you know whatever 
But... Okay, so let's say that it was some random, like, crazy out in the woods. Why wouldn't you want to close the camp? Right. Like, why would you just be like, oh, yeah, sure, let's just keep running things. It's fine. Right. Like, there's a psychopath on the loose in the Ozarks. Let's <laughs> shut this down until we find him. Yeah. I know. Oh. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, and <clears throat> you know me, because I read everything now as, like, a parent. So I always put my myself in their position. And mm. I probably would have killed a bitch. I would no, have. Yeah. I would have oh killed my God. somebody. If I would have found out that shit through media, oh my God. 100%. It's fucked up. It is so fucked up. There's no way about it. It's fucked up. Oh. So yeah, let's get to some like more, like some of the interesting um, parts of the case that involve like evidence and like things that happened actually like a few weeks before the murders, okay? Okay. So, actually, two weeks before the murders took place, a counselor at Camp Scott, um, name was not there, but a counselor at Camp Scott reported some items stolen, one of them being mm -hmm. a pair of women's eyeglasses. And if you think back, some women's eyeglasses were also stolen were the stolen. night of the murder. Okay? Yes, when that guy was, like, grabbing shit out of the tents. Okay? Yes. Okay. So, she also claimed that she had found a note inside an empty box of donuts which said something to the effect of, we are on a mission to kill three girls in tent one, accompanied by a makeshift doll of a man that was hanging from a tree nearby. What? But she did not report it because she believed it was a prank because the note also kind of mentioned something about Martians. So she was uh, like, oh, then, real funny, Debbie, and like what threw the note away. You? About the light in the woods, said it was aliens, and now this person's like, yeah, Martians, for sure. So, oh my gosh. And especially, you know, in the 70s, everybody was, like, so chill about everything. Oh, They're right. just like, oh, yeah, whatever. Right, honey. You know, donuts you would, and notes. Bitch, you would not catch me sleeping in a tent. I, anything was out of door? In a lock? <laughs> Absolutely not. Fuck you. No, if I ever received a note that was like, I'm on a mission to do anything... I'm going to be like, maybe, I don't know. Investigate. I'm on a mission to, <laughs> yeah, a mission to okay. eat three chocolate donuts that are not mine. I would be like, oh, my God, let's go to everybody. Put my donuts under lock yeah. and key because <laughs> somebody's coming for them. And I don't care what little green men are involved, you know, no Martians. Right. But Okay, she... and then also this, like, the, the, the man, the doll of the yes. man hanging mm -hmm. from the tree sounds so voodoo-ish. It like, does. I love it. Does. it that but really it's struck also me as a cult aspect of it, which was kind of strange. Yeah. Or definitely ritualistic, something yeah. super Just you know, weird. weird. Well, even, okay, so let's say we, you know, they found this note and they're like, oh, it's a prank. Why not be like, hmm, this person probably has some mental issues and believes in Martians. Like, or, I mean, like, honestly, even if I, if I ever found a note like that and thought it was a prank, I would still tell somebody about it. Yeah, like, somebody's leaving these weird notes around that are really threatening. Right. And, like, it's, just, like, to me, which, like, I, now, you know, I'm not, I'm not 18. I mean, I believe that I would have been like, hey, brought this to an adult and been like, hey, you know, this really weird note showed up in my camp. Here, you know, yeah. like to the director or something, you know, like that's weird. But maybe I'm yeah. just a paranoid person and maybe she no, wasn't. you're not. I remember being in high school and one of us finding a note from a kid that had written something like, um, here's a list of people that I want to kill. Oh, yeah, we had and one of those. I was on it. 
Exactly. Whenever we found that, we were like, oh, fuck. We brought that immediately. We were like, this is crazy. Like, the kid had signed his name at the bottom and was like, this is who I am. And there was some other weird stuff written on there, too. But we were like, I don't know, I think we were maybe freshmen or sophomores in high school. We brought that up immediately. Well, we were like, this person has a kill contract. This has got to be, well, like, investigated yeah, and ASAP. Like a, there are a few things going on here, you know, like, number mm-hmm. one, you and other people could be in danger. And number two, somebody probably needs help with their mental health. Yeah, anybody that is saying that they want to kill another human being obviously has some issues. Whether it's we a need joke to find or not. This note. Joke yeah, or not. Yeah, especially if it's a joke. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, if a kid is joking about killing other children, right? Or if a human is joking about killing other children, that's not a joke. But you don't just write notes like that and leave them around. Right. And, like, I mean, you know, just like we were talking about Jody our friend um, from the mental health podcast earlier, you know, like now there's not so much of a stigma or the stigma is slowly but surely going away, you know, but back in the seventies people, they would be like, Oh, whatever. You know, like it was, Mm -hmm. that wasn't a cool thing to be, man. You know, like you, Oh, mental health, take some shrooms, you know, smoke some weed and like, you're going to be okay. But like, am I right though? I love your just like depiction of people in the seventies. I think that, all of the accurate. people who grew up in the seventies are going to appreciate this. Um, it's true though, because but it I is true. That's people. exactly what I was saying before: is that they're super lax. Like, right? You know, everybody's like, "Oh, it's fine, yeah." Like, right? Because like, summer camp out in the middle of nowhere for sure. Like, yeah. And so I really don't kids, think she whatever. meant any harm by throwing this note away. I feel like we just went off on a tangent, but I don't think she meant any harm by it. I think she was just like, you know, this is silly. You know, like, this is a summer camp. And then, like, just threw it away. And, unfortunately, the note was never found. Oh. I know. Mm. Convenient. I know. But it wasn't just her. She and another uh, counselor saw it. Yeah, I know I'm saying conveniently for the killer. Oh, yes, Nobody else saw it. A hundred percent. I mean, so... That was something strange that kind of happened um, two weeks before the murders. And then, mm-hmm. you know, we have the actual, like, the night of the murders was some really strange shit happened. And then we have the murders, which were horrible and, I mean, just heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, so let's look at the evidence from the crime scene. Are you ready? Okay. Yes, evidence. Let's okay. go. So, taking a look at the crime scene, um, the killer had apparently approached to eight from behind, unhooked the back back flaps of the tent um, to get mm-hmm. inside, okay? And okay. the investigators believed, like I had said, that Lori and Michelle were both beaten to death inside the tent, judging by okay. the blood splatter because there was blood all over the wood floor and all mm-hmm. over the um, the walls, like the canvas mm-hmm. walls of the tent. And mm-hmm. then they were both sexually assaulted. So they believed that the sexual assault on Lori and Michelle happened after um, they were beaten to death. Okay, so it was like post-mortem. Yes. Which makes this person super, I mean, super not like even more sick, sick yeah. but still right. absolutely sick. Yeah. Exactly. And like I had said, the entire floor of the tent eight was covered with blood, but this dumbass killer, obviously not a dumbass because he's still not, he still hasn't been caught, but. Yeah, we still haven't found him. He tried to clean up the blood using bed sheets. And oh. unsuccessfully did it, but he took these bed sheets, tried to mop up the blood, stuffed the sheets into the sleeping bags with the girls. But then oh, okay. he still managed to leave behind a boot print. And this boot print oh. was size nine and a half. 
Oh, that's a big man. Yes. I mean, not. I, I mean, it's not like a. Uh, <laughs> what I mean is that's not like a young boy. Right. It's no, like it's, an actual man. That's a big old man there. <laughs> that's a. He is the biggest man I've ever seen. He's a lumberjack. No. <laughs> so um, it was Sasquatch. <laughs> basically, probably. You never know. Um, Sasquatch in combat boots. Uh, I don't doubt it. <laughs> he seems like he's got an axe to grind. I'm a believer. Anyways, <laughs> investigators also believe that Denise had been bound and her mouth stuffed with a pre-made gag before she had been walked over to the area or carried over to the area where the bodies were eventually found. She was sexually assaulted, sodomized, beaten, and strangled to death. Oh, my God. Hold so on. a pre-made gag shows intent. Like, they, they did this before they got there. It wasn't just, like, some spur-of-the-moment thing. Right. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, but yes, okay. it definitely shows intent because, I mean, a pre-made gag, you know. Yeah, which also backs up the existence of a note saying, you know, hey, we're planning to do this. There's like, and there's no question in my mind that these attacks had definitely been planned in advance. I mean, the fact that it was um, these three girls, I think, was a matter of circumstance. Mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. sadly, though, that whoever would have stayed in that tent that night would have met this horrible fate. Yeah, I mean, didn't the note say, we are on a mission? It did. It certainly did. Okay, okay. We are on a mission, like you said, that at that point, there's one more than one person. Also, they said, to kill people in tent one. Right. And, and that also seems eight. to me that, right, but that also seems to me that this person knows that the tents are numbered. Like, yeah, if I was just I running up on some that, random, yeah. yeah, if I was just running up on some random camp, I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to, you know, murder the people in Tent, Ohio, or whatever they name the tents, unless I have, like, an actual knowledge of which tents are numbered and, you know, right. what they're numbered and things like that. because on movies and books and stuff, it's always, like, Tent Sasquatch, Camp Hoo-Ha-Ha, <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> crazy names or, like, names camp that are, like, Kaifax. you know, like, tribes or, like, flowers or, you know, other things like that, like, names that mean something to the camp, you know, and they did have names, um, but a lot of the articles that I spoke about referred to them with numbers, and so did the note. Sure, and I'm sure that the, um, I'm sure that the staff probably did refer to the cabins as numbered because it's easier to say than Right. Those larger Native American, you know, tribe names. Right. And I so actually think that, that the, the tent eight um, was actually called um, Kiowa. I have I have a picture with all the names on it. And I decided to actually refer to them in numbers because I didn't want to disrespect anybody's tribe by messing up the names. Mispronouncing them. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, um, yeah. Oh, gosh. But still, you know, and it, we know that you said that tent eight wasn't visible from the counselor's views but you know i'm wondering if this person obviously if they say we're if they say we're gonna murder someone in tent one then they knew that mm -hmm. way that the counselors referred to the tents right exactly right mm -hmm. and it's very interesting it's all very interesting and um at the end i'll give you a little a little chance to tell me about who you think did it okay girl okay 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 let, all me, right. let me get my notepad out okay let's girl do notes. it okay, yeah. let's see these okay, investigators on skills. the job on it <laughs> Perfect. So, like we said before, the gag on Denise was pre-sewn, and the killer had also brought along nylon rope and duct tape in order to bind the girls. It was definitely premeditated. There's no questions about it. 
In addition to all of these things, there was semen found on each girl's body, and then a red flashlight uh. that had newspaper stuffed inside um, was found next to the girls. And I just have to... I mean, I have to kind of speculate that this mm. is the light that the council had seen moving through the forest. Yeah, probably. You know, um, but like you'll see the picture. It's like it, it's like one of those old big flashlights, like a torch almost. Um, yeah. You know, but yeah, it was found by the girls' bodies. Um, okay. So yeah, I mean that's for sure a possibility that that was the light that they saw. Or Martians. <laughs> or the aliens. What I mean, honestly, in 2020, 50, anything's 50. fucking possible. <laughs> and I'm saying 2020 because, like, we're just come. You know, this case is just starting to get a little bit of attention from like some places that I see whenever I was researching. So oh, anything's God. possible. It is. Um, it's possible. Yeah. So the autopsy um, kind of muddled this case even further, and brought a lot of cause for speculation and a lot of criticism um, because okay. the coroner reportedly found that there were two different weapons used in the murders and that um, the weapons were held in both the left hand and the right hand. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So either we have a a windmilling murderer who's just got two <laughs> right. he's double fist his weapons and he's swinging them around. Juggler of murdering items or two perpetrators. <laughs> Absolutely. So either there's two murderers or we got one weapon happy man or woman. Right. A woman with a very large size boot. <laughs> oh my gosh. I didn't even think that it could have been a woman's boot. I mean, um, we'll talk about wow, this later. Wow, way to assume that women always have small feet. Just because you have to shop for your shoes in the kids section doesn't hey, mean everybody that does. is not my fault. Genetics. I was born this way. Leave me alone. The coroner also found that two different types of knots had been used in tying up the girls. And if you know anything about serial killers, which I suspect you do, got a weird inkling that you do, but, you know, serial killers normally have one type of thing that they're good at. You know, like, if they're good at making a certain type of knot, that's what they're going to use. They're not going to, like, fiddle fuck off and be like, ooh, today I'm going to try a sailor's knot. You know, like, they're going to stick with one type of knot, right? But this was two. they're in the Navy and they're, like, a knot enthusiast. Maybe. I don't know. I think it's more of a stretch to say that there were, you know, that there was a a not enthusiast, (laughs) ambidextrous, murder, weapon-wielding murderer (laughs) than to just say there were definitely two people involved. Yes, I agree. Okay. Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad we're on the same page there. We are, girl. I mean. Okay. And, you know, like us, a lot of people speculated that these were signs that just, like, a second person was involved in these killings. Um, yeah. As far as I could find, the weapons were never found. Okay. Like I said, the only other physical evidence they had, other than the semen, um, was the flashlight that had a fingerprint on it. Okay? okay. But yeah, the fingerprint good. did not belong to anyone at the camp. And a long black hair caught in the duct tape that did not belong to any of the girls. Just like in episode five, the lone lone hair, the mainline murders. Oh, you come to haunt us again, don't you? (laughs) I wonder if it's the same hair. Just kidding. I know it's not. Okay, so (laughs) it was in the duct tape. It was attached to the duct tape. And this fingerprint did not match the director? 
It didn't match anybody at the camp anybody from at what the camp. I found. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm, okay. All right. Yeah. They said that the fingerprint did not belong to anyone at the camp. And then for the black hair, it just said that it did not belong to any of the girls. Okay. But it was long. It was long. And not that men can't have not, long hair, especially but I didn't in the 70s. think it was like especially long. Like from what I gathered, it was like medium to long length hair. You know, like right. kind of like how your hair is now, like maybe even mm-hmm. a little bit shorter. Okay, you know? so could it could have been like a a short girl's haircut or a long um you know a, a longer a man with long hair, which is which was common um during the in time the period. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. My dad had like longer curlyish hair. Right. So, totally. Yeah. So, and I mean, it was you know, it could, literally at this point, it's anybody's game. I mean, we don't know. Not long after these findings were reported from the coroner, it was found that the rope and the tape had recently been stolen from a farm one mile from Camp Scott. Before okay. I get to the farm, I'm going to have to tell you about the shit way this investigation was handled. That sounds promising. Indeed. So... The Mays County Sheriff, Pete Weaver, headed up the investigation into the murders, but it was a literal fucking shit show from the beginning. I mean, completely preventable mistakes were made. First, the crime scene was not secured immediately. Like, it wasn't even secured within hours. Like, that meant that investigators and camp staff just were traipsing throughout the campsite as they pleased, possibly contaminating or adding or even ridding the scene of important evidence. Oh, okay. So, the summer camp, John Benet Ramsey. Basically, yeah. They're like, hey, everybody, somebody's murdered. Like, come on over so we can, like... Isn't that, like, police 101 to secure the scene? I mean, it should be. (sighs) It really should be. But is it? I don't know. And, I mean... Also, this has nothing to do with the sheriff. I just have a bad taste in my mouth for him. But this is the 70s. So, like, all the forensic um, evidence, you know, like the semen, the hair, it, mm-hmm. the, the, forensic, the forensic analysis scope at this time was, like, so limited. So, like, there was literally, like, nothing that they could do with this, you know, um, right. which is really unfortunate for the case. I mean, yeah, yeah. Even the swabs from the girls, you know, um... The rape kits. Yeah. There was really nothing that they could really do with them. Right. You know? Not to the fault of Pete Weevil. <laughs> yeah, Weaver. <laughs> <laughs> Pete Weasel. No, but yes. It's not <laughs> said, it's not Pete I Weasel's said, fault. I said Pete Weevil. Oh, it's not Pete uh even worse. Weevils. <laughs> Those things will fuck your whole life up. Anyways, it's not Pete Weevil, Weaver or Weasel's fault. That the forensics okay, none were of the so Pete's shit faults. in the 70s. Um, yeah, I know. But Unfortunately, it's just his fault that they didn't secure the scene. Right, because maybe they did have evidence that they could have caught. Or, you know, maybe things could have been just a little bit more conclusive, right? Right. Mm, yeah, totally. Get that. Yeah. I got it. You want to hear about the suspects? You know, I do. All right. What kind of question is that? <laughs> so... <laughs> The first suspect that investigators, like, narrowed down on was Jack Schroff, who is the man who owned the farm where the tape and the rope were stolen from. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see a connection. Okay. Okay. So, Schroff claimed that his home and farm had been broken into and a number of items had been taken, including the ones that they found at the crime scene. Um, 
he actually had an alibi for the night in question and passed a polygraph mm-hmm. test, which, you know, like I said, we do not really put that much stock in the polygraph test, but he yeah. did pass one with, like, fucking flying colors, apparently. And oh. he did have an alibi, um, which, you know, I'm so happy for you, Shroff, but this did not stop the newspapers from printing his picture and putting Slayer as the headline. <gasps> Oh, I know, and this is like where it gets like really fucking sticky because that is so irresponsible of them to do. I mean, because when you have an alibi that checks out, that's I know, but you have pretty irrefutable. We have good, you have good media, you know, where people are just trying to report the facts and just really trying to get information out to the people, and then you have media who are literally just will do anything sensational media, right, to sell papers. You know, yeah. um, oh, poor and, guy. Right, and that sucks for him. That really does suck for him. Um, but yeah. within a couple of days, they had pretty much eliminated all obvious male suspects. Um, okay. That includes Jack Schroff, Richard Day, the camp director, and then a camp ranger named Ben Woodward. Okay. Okay. So it so, wasn't any of those three men. Right, so the camp director was eliminated. Now, I don't, okay. I could not find out a single thing that, you know, corroborated yeah. this you know because i'm sure his wife was his alibi yeah you know and um but i mean if we're you know within the scope of reason if i am a woman you know married to a man i am not really going to condone his like you know murdering three young girls and raping them so i probably would not have stuck up for him you wouldn't think but i mean like look at them look at the women who do Sadly, but true, you know, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying in any way, shape or form that he's guilty, but I'm saying that, you know, even though police clear somebody, you know, because of an alibi, that doesn't really Mm -hmm. mean anything. Well, let's just say like for argument's sake that he was, that he's completely cleared, you know, for whatever reason. Right. The sheriff, he was, hmm, I just got a bad taste in my mouth for him and it's not... Not because of what he did with the scene, and it's not yeah. because of, like, what, I don't know, just seeing him, looking at him, reading about him, instantly didn't like him. Got a bad vibe from the mm, dude. Bad vibes. Right. Yeah. But let me tell you, he had his eye and his mind set on one particular suspect, one who had a sordid history with him of playing cat and mouse. With him, specifically, with yes the sheriff. Right. Um, okay. And, and there's, like... A very specific thing that is, you know, like a saying in law enforcement is that you take the facts and you make a theory. Mm -hmm. You don't take the theory and Mm -hmm. make the facts fit your theory. You take the suspect and make those facts, do they fit into the case? You don't take the case and mold them to your suspect. Yeah, exactly. And that's how you avoid, you know, bias in police work. You only look at the facts and then you go from there. You don't work backwards. You don't find a suspect and then make him fit into the facts. You go the other way around. You look at the facts and then you find a suspect. Oh, honey. Well, he was as biased as bias gets. But Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, given um, this suspect's like past criminal convictions because he was no saint and the fact that his mom lived around a mile away from Camp Scott, the sheriff Mm -hmm. thought that he was a good suspect for the murders. Okay. Which Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. okay. I can understand it, but right. just pay attention to what we're about to get into next, okay? Okay. Um, 
This suspect was 33-year-old Cherokee Indian Jean Leroy Hart. Hart mm. had actually been on the run for four years after escaping from Weaver's own county jail, and he was thought <laughs> to be hiding out in the area. Um, Ooh, now, Hart was kind of like a hometown hero and former high school football star. Like, what I'm telling you, like, the people in his hometown, like, the people in this area, they loved him. They supported him, like... He did, he pretty much did everything that he could to be like, fuck you. And they were like, love you so much. You know, like. Right. Like had his name painted on the water tower. Basically. I mean, and even if Hart did not play a role in these murders, he came across as like a pretty rotten dude to me. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, Okay. He was, like, no stranger to criminal activity, and in 1966, he actually abducted and raped two pregnant women from outside a nightclub. He tied them up. What? He put tape all over their faces, and then he took them out into the middle of nowhere and left them to die. Oh? What? Girl, two that pregnant was a whole women? Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> That's how... Um, okay, first of all... No judgment, but what were two pregnant women doing outside of a nightclub? Girl, I don't know. I guess back then you could still smoke and drink while you was pregnant because nobody really, like, made that comparison yet. Or was that just the 50s? I don't know when they decided to start doing that, but anyway. I guess being pregnant doesn't stop you from having fun. No, I've gone out whenever I was being pregnant. I was literally hitting people with my big old belly. I mean, I was drinking water. But I was like, well, yeah, we don't know what they were drinking, but for sure. Yeah. You know, actually, that might be like the best time to go out is because it like you can keep men away from you by slamming them with your large abdomen. Oh, yeah. And I did, girl. (laughs) I did. I remember one time they let me take a whole uh, plate lunch into a bar because I was pregnant. They were like, no food here. And I was like. I'm, like, seven months pregnant, like, please. And they were, like, I'm pregnant. I can do whatever I want. Yeah, so I literally propped that thing up on my belly like a table. And I was just, like, eating. There you go. Yeah. Okay. It was something something for the times, girl. Prego friends are out, like, minding their own business, having a good time. And this dude wrangles them outside of this bar and Mm -hmm. rapes them Mm -hmm. and leaves them out Mm -hmm. in the woods to die. He sounds amazing yeah he sounds like a real fucking gem but you know what these one of these pregnant women was a fucking badass because she actually broke free and she would get help listen to this shit she later reported that heart during the rape was like completely incoherent and he made Mm. strange growling noises like guttural noises (gasps) like what was behind the tents yeah in the camp. Right. And Hart was caught not long after um, the girls were found. and But he was paroled not long after that. Oh. So they let him oh. out. Okay? I get a really – this gives me a really icky feeling. Like these guttural noises before committing sexual crimes. Like, ugh, what a skis. Yeah, just wait. Um, okay. So while on parole – Wait, this guy. Has, you just said he got on parole. Yes, I told you that I let him off. I said he was paroled not long after the rapes. Oh my god! I think that my brain just like you were like that that's out not true. I was just, like traumatized. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, you just raped a couple of pregnant women. Have a good day. Yeah, exactly. But no, he was paroled, uh, and while on wow. parole. He was arrested and charged with burglary. And get this, he was robbing someone's house while they were in it. 
<laughs> oh, of course he was. Oh my god. He's yeah, what do you got think is going to happen? He's got some balls, man. I'll say he that. He does. He's got I mean, well, either that or he's really 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 stupid. Right. And whenever he was um caught for the burglaries, he mm. actually admitted to both the rapes and the burglaries and was sentenced to a total of 305 fucking years. Perfect. Okay. Like, I think that that's even years. worse than being, like, life in prison without parole because, like, my God, like, wow, you know I'm not living this long. Like, you just want to really, like, <laughs> stick it to me, don't you? Like, that is really not crazy. Unless you find the sorcerer's stone. Yeah. Which I You'll guess. You'll never be able to live out this prison sentence. He might be friends with Valdi. I don't know. But, I mean, like, the harshness of this sentence just reflected the fact that he had tried to um, evade the first trial and then mm-hmm. attempted, um, you know, to kill his rape victims. And then when they let him out on parole, he went and committed even more crimes. Like, yeah, of course. He People didn't give a like, shit. Yeah, criminals are, like, uh, people that are criminals, like, messed up in the head like that are they're most likely going to reoffend because our prison systems are not actually set up for rehabilitation. <laughs> right. It's just kind of like a, a place to go just to send them. Yeah. Like they keep them up like caged animals. It's not like they actually try to like I rehabilitate, know. you know, like with therapy and things <laughs> yeah, like that. So like, if you've got this dude stuck in like a um, prison made out of sticks and mud for, you know, however long and you right. let him out, he's not going to do anything different. He's going to go do his thing. Right. I mean, yes, exactly. And, oh, man, alas, Hart managed to escape from jail this time again, but nobody another, could find him. Another Ted Bundy. No, really, though. Like, nobody, nobody could, find, could him. find him. But keep in mind, he actually escaped in 1973. And the murders oh, took place dang. in 1977 while he was still hiding out. Oh. Ooh. Okay, so. He, okay, if they can't find him, though, he must be, like, a real man of the woods. Well, Isn't like, that a Justin Timberlake album? Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> one that I listen to regularly. Um, no, whenever. Ooh. I'm just kidding. I like the Fugees. I don't like Justin. Anyways. Um. I, whenever I was researching this case, you know, like, I had a bad taste in my mouth, though, because we always see patterns of law enforcement preying on, um, people of color, people, you know, who are minority, minority. you know, Mm -hmm. and so, like, a big part of me, I kind of didn't want to believe, you know, that, like, this man could be responsible. Yeah. You know, and, like, not because he's not a bad person. He's obviously a piece of shit. But, you know, like, it was just kind of like, wow, you know, like, I felt like the sheriff, like, obviously the sheriff really honed in on him. Yeah. You know, and you'll see. All right. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, it seems like the sheriff has definitely got, like, like, you know, said before, like an axe to grind with this dude because he's specifically going after him for, you know, whatever reason. Right. And a lot of people, um, a lot of people believe this because, you know, of the vendetta that the sheriff had with Hart, you know. So there was a lot of people in the Cherokee community who supported Hart and they Mm -hmm. actually helped hide him. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Well, you know, he is still a rapist. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. But, I, and like, you know, that one of the sites that like I really relied heavily on for this case, they were like, surprisingly, so a lot of people, I guess, forgot that he was a rapist, you know? Yeah. 
and a burglar. But I guess, you know, like these people felt like they needed to, well, and I'll say to this. To protect their own. Right. And I yeah. guess I'll say this too. Just because he was guilty of those crimes does not mean that he's guilty of this crime. Yeah. It's just like, um, we, you know, whenever we were talking about law before that previous bad acts are inadmissible in court. And just because someone is guilty of something mm-hmm. does not automatically make them guilty of something else. Right. Exactly. And I think and that... And it, it would be strange that this dude was hiding out for like four or five years and nobody found him and he wasn't... He doesn't want to get found, you know? Right. I no. mean, I mean, I would assume that someone who's not mentally ill, you know, does not want to go back to jail. Um, right. I mean, and I say somebody who's not mentally ill just because, I mean, if somebody's mentally ill and they may just like m- murder or commit these crimes compulsively. Yeah. You know, if he's in his full mental faculties, obviously he doesn't want to get caught. He doesn't want to go back to jail. Right. Um, so what's, what, you know, what would be the motive to murder these girls? Obviously he would that would bring major attention to him. Right. And I think it's, I think it also says something though, that his previous targets were women. Um, yeah. You know, not young girls, girls. but, um, pregnant women too. Yeah. Um, but you know, so since I have this thing against the sheriff and I mean, I don't like heart, (laughs) but I just, you know, I think that all of this is super interesting. I'm going to tell you about the evidence that, um, they had, and I put in quotes had against heart. Okay. Okay. So several days after the murders, um, some hunters discovered a random cave, which appeared to be inhabited by someone. Um, and in this cave, they found a number of items, one of which mm-hmm. included some photos that were possessions of Hart while he was in jail, the same jail that the sheriff was in charge of, okay? Um, okay. They also found some women's glasses and some newspapers. Um, and actually, these newspaper pages um, that they found appeared to be a match um, for the newspapers that they found in the flashlight at the crime scene. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the um, glasses. You said that there was glasses. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and that somebody had taken glasses out of the tents. Okay. Correct. And then probably one of the most interesting things found in the cave was a note written on the wall that read, um, 77 6, 17, the killer was here. Bye-bye, fools. Uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, I have okay. like a really weird feeling about this. Um, and you'll see, you'll see. I always sign my name, um, based off of like not my name, but <laughs> acts that I've done. So yeah, <laughs> the real the person who didn't take here? out the trash last night was here. <laughs> <laughs> I ate all the pasta. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> oops. And then, strangely enough, a few days later, an informant which people have heavily speculated that this person was, like, bullied by the police, um, mm-hmm. told law enforcement that Hart was actually living with another Cherokee man by the name of Sam Pigeon in Cookson Hills, um, about 50 miles east from Camp Scott. Okay. So I just – I also am going to say that I think it's strange that, like, these girls are murdered. Then the sheriff mm-hmm. gets, like, you know, this – fire under his ass to you know go find gene hart and then they found the cave and then this informant tells law enforcement you know yeah. where he's hiding you know so okay moving it's on it's a very like convenient yeah of super events. convenient yeah um so they go they find the house and they trap hart inside and whenever they oh, find so he actually was there he was there and yeah. whenever that's why i said like i think they a lot of people speculate that this informant was bullied by the police or like you know um kind of forced 
to tell. Yeah, yeah. Um, whenever they actually caught Hart, they asked him if he killed the girls. And he replied, you'll never pin it on me. And after this, this is the last time he speaks to law enforcement. Smart to not speak to law enforcement anymore. But you'll never pin it on me. That's like neither confirming nor denying. Well, part of me kind of wonders, you know, like, is this because he has been, uh, you know, like had stuff pinned on him before? Or is it because he knows the sheriff has a thing for him? Or is it because he is guilty and he is being an asshole and a narcissist (laughs) and he's like, ah, you'll never get me and run away, you know? Yeah, those are my two thoughts where he knew that the sheriff was trying to railroad him because the sheriff has had it out for him and he is the killer and he's (laughs) like, you'll you'll never be able to prove I did this. Right. Screw you guys. Right. So um, they actually searched the house that Pigeon and Hart were staying in and they don't find anything of interest, okay? But, interestingly enough, the sheriff was like, hey, maybe you should check a second time. So, they searched the residence a second time, and what do you know? They find tons of items that the camp counselors claimed had gone missing before camp began. Uh, Isn't that crazy? That sounds like planted evidence, but Right, well, Pigeon claims that these items were never there and had been planted. And there is so much speculation about the sheriff planting evidence in the cave and in the house. Because, I mean, like, and I'm inclined to believe this because wouldn't it be strange, you know, um, that they find all this evidence in a cave, but Hart doesn't live there. He lives somewhere else with one of his friends. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. After, and which, you know, they found out after the informant came forward, which was after they found the cave. Right. Okay. And people have speculated that the sheriff actually had the photos that belonged to Hart um, mm-hmm. from jail. Like he took them from him in jail and just had them in his desk and then planted them in the cave after, like tying right. the cave to Hart. Yeah, I mean, I totally, I see that as a possibility. Right. The whole case just goes to shit from here on out. I mean, by the time Hart's trial started in March of 1979, his supporters were defending him so aggressively that the Mm -hmm. victim's families needed police escorts to the courthouse to keep them safe. Oh, see, that's not a good situation either. No, it's not. And this trial was a complete and utter shit fucking show. Yeah. I mean, here's what we learn in the trial. Yeah. The bloody footprint in the tent was way too small to be Hart's. Okay? The fingerprint on the flashlight was not a match to Hart. Oh, well, then it wasn't him. Like, oh, my gosh. This is just, like, this is even less evidence than the OJ trial. Like, (laughs) oh, the glove doesn't fit. Well, like, the shoe literally is not the same. Like, he can't wear the shoe. Then it couldn't have been him. Right. Even more, though. The swabs taken from the girls were not conclusive. They were similar to Hart, but not guaranteed to be a match. Oh. It was claimed. What, similar to Hart, but not guaranteed to be a match. Okay. Right. Right. Um, it was claimed that the hair was Hart's, but again, they could only prove that it looked like his hair. Oh. So similar as in, like, to the naked eye, it just looked like his. Yes, indeed. Okay. Um... And then, like, the defense continued to emphasize the possibility of evidence being planted to frame Hart by the sheriff because of his personal vendetta. So, I mean, like, you know, after hearing, like, all this evidence and how unclear it all was, the jury took 
six whole hours to deliberate, and they found him not guilty. Oh, okay. All right. So they came forward, and they were like, okay, that's good. That's logical. Good. Right. Um, and, like, after this trial, the DA actually, like, resigned because he was, like, a major supporter of the sheriff. He was a major believer that Hart was the one and only perpetrator in these crimes, which this yeah. just kind of pushes me to believe, though, that this is all something personal, you know, because I could see if the sheriff had, you know, said, like, yes, Hart did it, but he had someone else. Yeah. Um, and I'll get into that in a little bit, but... Um, they were just so gung-ho and, like, pinning this all on him. You know, he did it. He's yeah. the only one. And, you know, I mean, that was it. So the DA resigned. And after the trial, Hart was transported back to prison to live out the remaining 300 years of his other sentences. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot that he was already in jail for 300 years. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. And oh, well, not poor guy. He sucks. But, you know, yeah. Right. Actually, a few weeks later, on June 4th, 1979, he actually collapsed and died after lifting weights and jogging uh, in the prison exercise yard. So, Oh, man. Wow. Oh. What? I guess that's why you should never work out. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it is a bad idea. It's deadly. I mean, the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation still maintains that they had their man, but they are not commenting on the case any further because it's still open. In 2008, <laughs> it was announced that further testing had been done on the available DNA evidence, but Ooh, yeah. for the most part, it was like it was poorly handled because the samples had not been stored properly um, and they hadn't been oh. taken care of. And I mean, there really wasn't much to come of it, but there was something very interesting that came out of these DNA samples. Female DNA was found at the crime scene that did not match the girls. Mmm. <sighs> Okay, game changer. Here's, you know, whenever I said a while ago, I was like, or a woman with a really large boot. It's really interesting, though, because Lori Former's mother has always believed that a female was present during the attacks. And I found several sources that say this, but I can't find an actual quote from her. But, yeah. like, almost every source I looked at said that she believed that a woman was involved from the beginning. Weird. She said she just had a feeling. I know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why I... I kind of felt compelled to say that too. Like, yeah, you no, know, you did. In the I beginning. was like joking. I was like, yeah, huh? You did though. Yeah, in the yeah, beginning. I, yeah, yeah. I was like joking. I was like, oh yeah, you know, I don't trust men, but also like, could have also been a female, right? And if you look at the um, like documents um, from the case, they never like really interviewed any females um, concerning like the evidence or anything like that or alibis mm -hmm. and they had no female suspects. Yeah. And that's the issue with, you know, locking in on one suspect before you, you know, have all the facts is that you literally ignore everyone else and anyone who could potentially be responsible for this crime gets swept under the rug because you had your blinders on, you know? Right. Exactly. Man or woman. Exactly. So, ugh. so is it possible that it could have been one of the camp counselors? We don't know. Oh my god! So especially, oh. I think about that. I think about that donut note too. Yeah, you know. Yeah, very strange. Mm -hmm. um, now the trial against Hart brought to light some other like super serious matters like specifically that there may have been grounds to suspect that the girls at the camp were in danger long before the night of the murders um mm. the three victims families actually sued the magic empire girl scout council for 2.5 million each um but they lost right. but get oh. this 
There are newspaper articles and witness testimony that show that Camp Scott was being stalked by a dangerous person or persons years before the murders. And it appears that at no time were law enforcement ever called or any changes ever made to improve safety. Uh, okay, so that's not, uh, you know, there, and I maybe it's just because of like popular media with Friday the 13th, but there's always like scary stuff surrounding yeah. camp. Like that's one of the allures of like telling right. ghost stories around the campfire is that like some murderer, axe murderer is going to come out and kill all of us, but... If you're seeing actual evidence of that happening, <laughs> don't you think you'd want to report it to, like, the police or somebody? Right. And so I'm going to tell you just a little bit about these incidents. All right. Okay. So these suspicious incidents date back as far as 1971. Um, now, keep in mind, Hart escaped jail in 1973. Okay? Right. So he couldn't have done this. Right. Okay. Okay. So former head counselor Constance Cunningham testified that in 1971 – one summer, she spent a night huddled inside a scout tent with four girls and a gun. The reason she gave was that a strange man had entered the tent the night before and stared at them while they slept. Ooh, oh my god. Ooh, that's so scary. Right. Even more suspicious, during her two years as a counselor, both campers and counselors' tents were ransacked on several occasions, taking things like... She went like back? This is all, like, in her two-year span. Yeah, but, yeah, within the first year, though, she was, like, a counselor, and then they never she came back to right. a, a second summer after a man had been staring at no, her. No, well, they never she, said, they never said if this time that the summer um, that she spent It was, like, a gun, different summer. Yeah, they never said if it was before or after. Okay, I was going like, to say, these are not oh, my in, God, if I go to camp and there is some man staring at me in my tent, I ain't going back the next year, honey. No, this just says that, like, during her two years, these are some of the things that she experienced. Oh, like, okay. um, <laughs> both campers and counselors' tents were ransacked on several occasions, and guess what was taken? Eyeglasses. Women's eyeglasses. <gasps> Ooh. What if it is like some hill people that can't afford like eye care? Oh my and they're God. just like trying to find glasses that'll fit them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and like during both I just want to see both years though, campers and counselors spotted intruders at night inside the campgrounds, and I mean, like this is gonna blow your mind because um, this counselor Constance she reported that she actually spoke to the camp director at the time in 1970 after campers came to her and told her that they were hearing heavy breathing outside their tents alright the very next year the director called a meeting with the counselors who knew about the previous year's incidents and Cunningham said that the director told them not to say a thing of what had gone on before the summer oh hold on let me restart that um, the very next year, the director called a meeting with the counselors who knew about the previous year's incidents. And mm -hmm. as reported, Cunningham said, she cautioned us not to say a thing of what had gone on the summer before to the new counselors. She did not want them upset. Okay. Uh, I'd want to know if the year before there was somebody breathing outside of my tent. Um, you're fucking right. I would never. Oh, no. Oh, this reminds me of the last season of American Horror Story where they were at the camp and yeah. yes. the woman was like, we're not going to talk about what happened here that was bad. Right. And just because you don't talk about it doesn't mean that it's not going to get you. Exactly. 
Do you remember the counselor who found the bodies, Carla Wilhite? Mm-hmm, yeah. She actually had her own frightening experiences the week prior to the murder. And I am going to upload, like, some pre-trial statements um, that I found where she describes, like, some strange things going on, like scratching on the um, the doors and uh-uh. the dog growling and um, uh-uh. barking at something she couldn't see. Nope. You know that dogs, they're always right. Like, if a dog is scared, something ain't right. Right. Exactly. And, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of people still do believe that Hart was guilty of the Girl Scout murders. But... I mean, a lot of the evidence supports the idea that he was not, he either was not the perpetrator or he wasn't alone in doing it. Um, And that would explain so much that it would explain the bloody boot print that was not his Mm -hmm. size, the fingerprint that wasn't his. I mean, to me, it's hard to grasp the idea that Hart murdered all three girls on his own, tying them up one by one, gagging them, raping them, and then carrying them away from the camp to kill them. One by one? That's your one person. Yeah. Where, where nobody even noticed, too. Like, right. you have to do that really quickly for nobody to have heard or noticed. Right. And, I mean, if there was someone <clears throat> helping him, though, that would have been much easier to keep the girls quiet, yeah. make things quicker. Yeah. And it would also make, like, so much more sense that two people tied up Michelle and Denise. Uh, and, yeah. you know, the different knots. Yeah. Was that two mm-hmm. different people, you know, like yeah. we said. And for me, it's so important to note that the attacks on the girls were, like, completely different. Two were beaten, but with different weapons. One was strangled. Two were sexually assaulted, but one was sodomized. Not to mention that one girl was not even bound or gagged at all. Yeah, that's it's a different mo. Right, and then the girls were found about 150 yards away from their tent, so they would have had to be carried out. That's like a football field and a half to carry somebody. That's that's a long way. Right, and so, like, I mean, maybe Hart was involved, and it's very possible, you know, since the semen that they found was similar to his you know and the the hair looked like his Mm -hmm. but I mean if he did it he had somebody helping him I agree with you I think that there's a definite possibility that he was involved because we know that he wasn't a saint clearly and he had escaped from jail and was a violent offender but Mm -hmm. he whoever did this was not by themselves right I don't think it's possible that this was pulled off by one person especially if we find female dna dna does not lie science and facts do not lie he was not alone for sure right now some people have been like oh it could have been from the counselor like i don't think they tested carla you know they were like i don't i could have been from the counselor like went to see but she claims that she didn't touch the bodies you know and they said they also didn't the incontamination and yeah so to say that they didn't secure the scene so it could have been from anyone but I just, I think that all the points you're making are really relevant that, you know, to keep all of them quiet, to carry all of them. And the fact that they were murdered so differently and even down to the different knots, there had to have been at least two people, possibly more. Right. And then what about the fact, you know, like the cave, the evidence found in the cave and then the evidence not found at Pigeon's house and then found later upon a second search? Yeah, that's just really... It's odd. If anything, if anything, and I, I would never, ever um, defend a murderer, but this whole thing is fucking bizarre. Yeah, it sounds like planted evidence to me. The right. fact that they didn't find it the first time around and then all of a sudden the cabin was just full of it. Right. Very weird. Very strange. So, I guess my next question to you is, who is your top three suspects? 
Top three? Top three. Ugh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, God. I don't know. Um, I don't know if I can even give you a top three. Top I'm, two? I don't – I do think that Gene Hart was involved. Mm-hmm. I don't – I just wish that there was more DNA evidence. You know, like, mm-hmm. as far as a female, yeah. I I feel like some – Somebody inside of the mm-hmm. camp yeah. is responsible for something. Yeah. I don't know who it was, but it could have been one of the counselors. It could have been somebody. But that also doesn't explain their connection to Hart either. So I don't right. know. I feel like it could have not been Hart at all, and they were just trying to pin it on him. But Because he had, like, prior convictions? Yeah, just because he had prior convictions and, you know, because his hair was also black. But to me, it sounds like this camp had been terrorized by somebody for a really long time before that, yeah. you know, from the, from the beginning of the 70s. For sure. And especially since they had, the camp had changed directors, it had changed girls. I don't know. I feel like I can't say who was involved. I And I just, I don't like the sheriff either, but I'm not getting vibes that he did this either. What about, like, oh, no, you don't think? I don't know. Those vibes. I'm not getting those vibes from him. I feel like he, I feel like he's a jerk, obviously, and he wanted to do his job. And like, I feel like he might probably be super prejudiced against um, Native Americans and was trying to railroad that dude for sure. But I don't feel like what. I mean, what color was his hair? Um, he was white, and I think it was like a. It looks blonde. It's only black and white pictures I could find. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I There was nothing during this time that screamed to me like, oh, yeah, the sheriff was involved. Just, But that's just me. That was my gut. Yeah. It's just crazy, right? Wasn't this case, like, insane? It's super insane. I, 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 what really, like, gets me is the note in the donuts at the yeah. camp. Yeah. And what that says to me is that someone inside had something to do with what was happening they mm-hmm. knew how the tents were named. They knew, you know, where to leave this note so that other girls would find it. Yeah. And, you know, there's female DNA. I don't know how this person was involved, but I think, you know, I'm not, I don't think it was like an inside job. I don't think that these counselors were like <laughs> drawing people here to murder them. But like, liar. I do think it, it was either somebody who has been in these woods stalking this camp for a really long time. Yeah. And listening and hearing and close enough to know mm-hmm. what the ins and outs of the camp were, or it was somebody inside. I don't know. That's really scary. It scares it me. It is scary. It's crazy. Ugh, ugh, I'm so like, ugh. keep getting like, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. It is really crazy. Uh, I can definitely see why you had a nightmare because I feel like I'm going to have a nightmare about summer camp tonight too. I know. Brandon said last night I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, who is that? Who's there? And he was like, oh, my God, stop. Stop it. I do that all the time. And I'm sure he's always like, why did I marry you? (laughs) Who is this? Who is that? Tell me your secrets. Did you just start windmill slapping him? Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Middle of the night. Juggling my weapons. I don't have a good feeling about this. I'm really scared now. I... (laughs) I don't want to send really my kids scared. to school. Oh, my I'm God. scared. That is scary. That is total, like, that is American nightmare fuel. <laughs> like, yeah, it is. It's fucking terrifying. And I mean. Because wh- summer camp is cool and it is really fun. Yeah. Sure. Ugh. That's what they yeah. say. <laughs> sure. Until, you know, Jason Voorhees comes out of the woods. And exactly. Is mm-hmm. Murdering exactly. everybody with a machete. 
Yep, and I am not here for it. That's why I say no, 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 no. Uh, oh my God, I'm. You're sick. Me too. I do. My stomach is totally flip flopped over yeah, this. Oh, I feel horrible for those girls, and I feel horrible for their families. And I also just want to know, like, is this person still out in those woods, right, gutturally grunting and heavy breathing at people and stealing their eyeglasses? Yeah, the eyeglass thing is, like, weird. Like, I almost was like, is this, like, an egg Kemper thing? Like, do you have, like, a fetish for eyeglasses? You know, like, what's going on? Like I said, it could be, like, what if it's, like, a, you know, this couple that's, like, living in the mountains of Oklahoma and she just really needs some prescription glasses and she can't afford care and so she's trying to find some for herself. the hills have eyes type of people? (laughs) The hills have bad eyesight. (laughs) The hills need an eye doctor. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, that is possible. I mean, like, stranger shit has happened, you know, like, yeah. I don't know. This case just Agreed. really fucked me up, and I have no good feelings about it. There's nobody that I can be like, yeah, he's the one that did it, or she's the one that did it, you know. I just, uh, like, these, these families have no answers. They yes. are completely left in the dark. Just as a listener, it gives me the ickiest feeling and like oh, yeah, hearing sure. the story and not knowing. And I cannot imagine being their family members and their mom, their dad, their brothers and sisters, like just not knowing is this person still out there. I mean, that kind of trauma is just irreversible. And I am, oh, right. I'm, yeah. I'm, I don't even have the words for it. I feel speechless about this case. I know. That's how I felt. So I'm glad I could share the horror with you um, because now I'm not the only one that is suffering. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Thank you. I know. What are friends for, girl? What are friends for? our mental turmoil together. Yes. Indeed. Forever. Indeed. Oh, man. Well, if you were thinking about sending your kid to summer camp this year. I'm not ever. Sorry, y'all. I'm sure you can hear my kids screaming. That's one reason why I'm not sending them to summer camp. They'd send them right back. Well, for more information, uh, there is a ton of really great pictures in this episode that Alyssa's going to post on Instagram and on our website and all of our sources. So you can find us on Instagram at Gals and Gore, and you can also find our website at www.galsandgore.com. Yes, And again, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Tell all your friends about us. Yes. The Dark Humor Macabre Podcast. Yes. That probably shouldn't exist. So Probably not, but alas, here we are. Here we are. So just a reminder, trust no one. Marta's a killer. I think I'm going to call you Jean. Jean? Oh, yeah. Why? Because your hair's like right here. You know, like you look like you might have like a motorbike outside. Which... <laughs> <laughs>